1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. ctmobile.com. Is there a problem here in Michigan with incarcerating too many
2: youth offenders? The juvenile justice system often is the dumping ground for failures on behalf of other adults in the young person's life, including other institutions like schools. A startling report
1: pointed out some serious issues in Wayne County, but the problems, they spread far beyond that. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Reporting done last week by Christine McDonald and Gina Kaufman from the Detroit Free Press revealed that the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services had allowed the Wayne County Juvenile Detention Facility to, quote, operate with fewer staff and let them lock residents in their rooms facility-wide when there aren't enough workers, end quote. The article goes on to say, quote, those on the inside of the downtown Detroit facility describe a chaotic environment where youths are given only sporadic reprieves from locked rooms.
2: I understand the tough situation that a lot of these stakeholders are in, like the the detention facility staff, for example. You know, sure, there's shortages, but there's folks that are coming to work every single day, you know, and they care about the kids and don't want to see kids be harmed either. It's a complex situation and why there needs to be strong state leadership. And a lot of the recommendations that the task force voted on would create more standardization in the system, which is desperately needed. More standardization and some requirements for the use of risk tools and better data collection so that we can hold the system accountable. It can be more transparent, but we can also identify where there's service gaps statewide to see how communities can even collaborate around issues like community-based care and the use of confinement.
1: That right there, that's the voice of Jason Smith. He's the executive director of the Michigan Center for Youth Justice. That task force that Jason mentioned, it's the task force on juvenile justice reform. The governor created it last year. Here is Nina Solomon. She is the deputy division director of corrections and re-entry at the Council of State Government's Justice Center.
0: I definitely think so. Encouraging that the governor and other leaders across the state in a bipartisan way wanted to tackle this issue, obviously seeing the case of grace, but I think beyond just knowing that there needs to be improvements to the system and and improved outcomes for young people. And it was also really encouraging that the task force reached consensus on 32 recommendations, 31 of those recommendations in a unanimous fashion, and one of those recommendations by consensus. And that included Again, a bipartisan coalition of stakeholders, including advocates and prosecutors, system leaders, legislators across the state coming together and saying, these are the steps that we need to take to improve outcomes for young people and improve our system. So that was very encouraging to see.
1: The juvenile justice system here in Michigan, according to the way it was written, is supposed to be about rehabilitation. But does keeping kids locked in a room for days at a time do anything to rehabilitate them? I know that there's a line that needs to be straddled between punishment and rehabilitation, but I feel like when we're talking about juveniles, we're still talking about people with malleable brains, people that you can still get to before it is, quote-unquote, too late. I would think the ability to rehabilitate a child would be greater than to do that of an adult. Does that make sense?
0: Research on brain development shows that young people are not mini-adults. They have brains that are still being formed upwards to the age of 25, if not older. So the system should be focused on rehabilitation. They should be focused on addressing behavioral health needs, addressing trauma that young people may have experienced, addressing education and workforce development, and really helping these young people succeed outside of the juvenile system. Most of the time when young people are involved in the system, they're not involved for long periods of time. They're going to be back in their schools, in their communities. And so the system should do everything possible to address their needs and make sure that they have what they need to be successful.
1: Here in Michigan, we have the State Department of Corrections. They're in charge of the entire adult prison system. System, it's the key word there. There is no juvenile system, at least not one statewide. And according to Nina from the Council of State Governments, the problem is that there is no centralized system for handling youth justice here in Michigan.
0: Every state and at times every county has their own juvenile justice system. And so it's very hard to compare across jurisdictions because the juvenile justice system is very local and the way that it's run is very local. In terms of, you know, challenges, I think in recent years, there's a number of challenges that have been exacerbated by COVID and some other situational, I guess, changes in the world. And that is, you know, facilities, for example, are struggling with staffing. There are challenges in terms of kids that remain in facilities having higher needs, having more serious offenses. But in in good news, we have made a lot of strides in the youth justice system uh, in that the number of kids entering the juvenile justice system has decreased dramatically in the last 10, 15 years. As a result, we've seen fewer kids involved at all points of the system, including at the deepest end, being incarcerated in a juvenile facility.
1: Jason, who agrees with Nina when it comes to the fragmented system, says that it does have some benefit.
2: There are benefits to a localized system. The juvenile court, the justice system in the local communities know the service providers in those communities the best. They're able to develop a menu of services really catering to the needs of the kids in their specific communities, the areas under their jurisdiction. There's a benefit to that. The downside, it can create a lack of standards in policy and practice, how young people are processed through the system. That's one of the major downfalls and also then a lack of statewide data so that even counties or juvenile courts that are doing phenomenal work, great evidence-based programming, effective work to yield good outcomes for kids, it's hard to compare how well they're doing against others. And then when you have issues like we're dealing with right now, the lack of residential facility beds and detention beds, it's hard to come up with a statewide solution. Jason mentioned a lack of data. That is
1: very problematic. I mean, without data, how do you know what's working and what doesn't? Without data, how would you know how many kids are in the system overall at any given time?
0: The Council State Governments Justice Center partnered with Michigan through the Task Force on Juvenile Justice Reform that the governor established a year ago. And we did a comprehensive data analysis of the juvenile justice system in Michigan to the extent possible using case-level data analysis. And there were definitely challenges in getting access to data mainly because of the availability of data and how the data is being collected in a very fractured way, county by county, not a lot of statewide data being aggregated or collected. And so that is definitely a challenge to really know who's in the system, how are they coming into contact with the system, what are they there for, and what's happening to them as they move through the juvenile justice system. And so one of the core recommendations coming out of that task force is a better collection of juvenile justice data and looking at that data and using that data to really inform decisions going forward.
1: Here's something that i had been thinking about across my conversations with both Nina and Jason. If juvenile detention facilities are overcrowded, is it a staffing problem, or is the number of incarcerated children too high?
2: We are still walking up too many kids. The benefit of the executive order that was created during the pandemic, established by the governor, it clearly defined the parameters for which a young person should be confined in a juvenile justice facility. It was a young person who immediately and significantly was a public safety risk or a risk to themselves. If they didn't fit that criteria, courts were encouraged and facilities were encouraged to halt new admissions as much as possible, and also look at who's currently being confined to see who could be safely and effectively served at home. Now's not the time to detain kids who, for example, have committed a status offense, a crime that's simply an offense just because of their status as a youth running away or school truancy, or a kid, for example, who is tested positive for marijuana or, you know, has a substance abuse issue, that can be safely addressed in the community. Not the time to be locking up kids that we're mad at. You may remember the story of Grace.
1: Grace was not her real name, but a pseudonym given to a 15-year-old Oakland County girl who was jailed for not doing her homework which sounds exactly like what Jason was referencing. I'm reminded of the story of Grace from ProPublica in 2020, where she was on probation for, I think, assaulting her mother, but then she didn't do her homework, and so a judge said, that's a probation
2: violation, incarceration for you. Months after the adjudicating offense. Sorry to interrupt. No, Please. with that case, of months after the adjudicating offense, no major issues with mom, since she was adjudicated of that. This was during the pandemic, after that executive order was released to not detain kids for immediate and significant safety risk. But yeah, that case purely fits the example. Like, could she have been safely, continued to be supervised at home? or did her situation warrant immediate confinement? Those are the kind of things that courts, including probation officers, there was a probation officer who filed that violation of probation on grace that triggered that whole situation. Everyone has a role to play to reduce the number of young people who are confined. Nina said
1: it earlier, kids are not mini-adults. They are people who have separate needs to that of an adult. If we don't treat kids like adults in other aspects of life, why would we do it in this scenario? Maybe hugs, not handcuffs is an oversimplification, or maybe not. Big thanks to Jason Smith and Nina Solomon for sharing their time with us today. This podcast would not be possible without the work of our digital team. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24-7. Do you have questions, comments, or concerns about The Daily J, we want to hear them. Send us an email to dailyj at odyssey.com. That's dailyj at dot com. Our theme music is written and produced by Ozone Music and Sound in Southfield. I'm Zach Clark, and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours